Hey, it's Luke. This week on Range, it's a big one. Are you ready for it? Carl gets an opportunity to chat one-on-one with Governor Jay Inslee. They've chatted before, but this time it's on our turf. The governor was in town for a quick tour of a couple new Spokane venues and organizations, Thrive International, the new refugee resettlement organization that has transformed the former downtown Quality Inn into supportive housing for Ukrainian refugees fleeing the war with Russia. Inslee also stopped at the recently built Podium indoor sports facility and had a conversation with the Spokane Sports Commission. Somewhere in between there, he also had a press scrum with other media outlets in town. Before any of that, though, fresh off the plane, he went straight to Range Global HQ and sat down with Carl for a conversation. In that conversation, we did not talk to him about sports or refugee resettlement, although refugees need homes like the rest of us, and we did spend the majority of our time, I would say, talking about housing, Camp Hope, the impact of massive infrastructural projects like the North-South Corridor on affordable housing stock, and we asked for his perspective on what responsibility the state has to ensure that Spokaneites can find affordable housing when they need it. Nothing was off limits, and we did our best as a team to think up questions we thought were the most important to us in this region, but on topics that the governor, or at least the state, has direct purview over. We wanted to keep it topical. We wanted to keep it relevant to the work that actually happens in Olympia and the work the state does directly over here. So we asked questions like, what can the state do to encourage more housing development in Spokane County? What can the state do to help Eastern Washington feel more connected to the goings-on in Olympia? And crucially, At least from my perspective, we got to ask a few questions about how Governor Inslee thinks about the state's obligation to replace the housing it tears down to make way for big infrastructure projects like the North-South Freeway. And the governor, to his credit, gave thorough answers. He took a couple shots at places you might expect, including saying a couple times that communication has improved now that Sheriff Knezovich is out of office. But he also underscored his desire for the state legislature to step up and make significant new investments in public housing and mental health funding, which has put him in a somewhat tense situation this legislative session with what are a majority of fellow Democrats. It's a candid conversation. Carl did a great job with the interview, and we are really excited for you to listen to it. One thing before we get there, just quickly, this is a really quick turn pod. The interview happened at 1230 today. We're getting it up tonight. And we did not record in our usual beautiful studio environs. We recorded in the beautiful in a different way conference room at Fellow Coworking. So the audio is more raw than usual. And I was the one editing. We did not have Connor's magic hands on this one, his gifted hands. He's the Ben Carson of this podcast, gifted, gifted hands. So just bear with us. And by that, I mean with me on the audio quality here. But if you persevere... I think you will find the content of this conversation riveting, even if it sounds like someone might be literally riveting with a rivet gun outside the room as they're talking at points. And that's, I think, all the primer you need for this one. So let's get to it. Our one-on-one sit down with Governor Jay Inslee coming up. I'm Luke Baumgarten, and this is Range. Roaster downstairs, actually. Thank you. That's good. What's my good? We're ready to go. 
I'm ready. Fire Let's do this. ready, Ridley. <laughs> Uh, so welcome to Spokane. Yeah. Um, Great day. Beautiful day. Yeah, we uh, we saved the nice weather for you. It was snowing and rainy the last couple of days. So we want to thank Spokane for the thrills from Gonzaga the last few weeks. Yeah. And this thrilling game about a hundred years that second to last game it was such a great game. Yeah. It really was. It really was. Yeah. Um, I guess just kind of setting the ground. Why did you? Uh, what prompted your trip to Spokane today? Well, we're doing a variety of things. Um, we're looking at a sports center. I'm talking to you. You're talking to another media outlet. Uh, what's the third thing we're doing? Right? We're going to, uh, we're going to Thrive International. Oh, we're going to go to Thrive, yeah. Great. We look for any excuse to come to Spokane. Yeah. <laughs> Um, you know, there's been a lot of back and forth and kind of finger pointing regarding Camp Hope between the city, the county, and the state. Um, how would you characterize your relationship with local leadership here in Spokane? We're always looking for the positive. So we think that there's some good things happening. First off, no matter what has happened, there's we're heading in the right direction on Camp Hope. We've gone from 650 people down to about maybe 55 or so. So regardless of this storm and drawing that Ozzy caused and all those problems. We're making real progress, and I'd like to focus on, on that. I was really excited about the, the training program. You, you saw like 20 people got their certificates to be on the road to get into mm -hmm. a new career. That, that, to me, that's such a positive thing to people get their feet underneath them and, and really move forward. We've had positive developments going into the Catalyst building, get you know sort of sustainable housing for folks. So there's been, a, I know that there's been a lot of, you know, ink spilled <laughs> but the fact is we're making progress and i think that that's why what i want to focus on i think that the the situation now is uh, we were pleased that the court ordered the city to police to provide police protection that we've been disappointed that the city has refused to provide police protection that's been uh, uh, a problem it's mm -hmm. an additional risk we've been very disappointed in the city in that regard but I prefer to, to focus on, on the positive. Now that you know we're, we're talking to the cities, it's frequent discussions to talk about how to do the remaining small number of people who are still there. It's been, it has been a goal to, to, to get people into sustainable housing and close the camp as soon as we possibly can. And I think that's the right position. Mm -hmm. Anyway, talks are continuing, that's good. We'll keep it up and we'll try to focus on the positive. Mm -hmm. in, in focusing on the positive, do you think that so far, you know, with the almost $25 million investment, that the right-of-way project here in Spokane has been a success? Well, you never declared a su success till the buzzer has gone off at the end of the game, right? We're in the mm -hmm. process. But we've made a lot of progress. When you go from 650 people living in very difficult conditions to 55, yes, that's a lot of progress that we, that we made. A lot of these folks have, you know, significant challenges as well. So it's not the easiest thing to do. Mm -hmm. And we've been trying to get it. We've been trying to achieve the goal of removing the camp, but also have a solution so they don't just end up back on the street in somebody else's neighborhood. Yeah, we've always believed it really wasn't a solution to people move people out of Camp Hope and then into somebody's park or on their corner. That's not what we're really after here. So that would have been the the facial, quote, success, but we don't consider that success, just moving people from one 
neighborhood to another. Making mm -hmm. your problem somebody else's problem is not really a solution. So I think we've had a lot of progress on that, getting people into housing rather than just getting them from one corner to another. And the fact is, if you don't provide housing that they will accept, they just end up outside somewhere else. Mm -hmm. And so uh, we've been, have had, we've had considerable success uh, with that strategy. Um, since, since the badging has gone in uh, at the camp and the fences have gone up, um, still more around half of the people who have left are unaccounted for, um, so they're not in housing. Um, what do you see the continuing role of the state in the local homelessness response here? In well, Canada? the most important thing is this is not, it doesn't sound like rocket science, but it needs to be said over and over and over again. We've got to build housing. We simply do not have enough housing for people in the state of Washington. We've got about a million people move in, but we've only built about three or 40,000 housing homes in, the, in just over the last decade. So the fundamental problem, we don't have housing. We have to build housing. And we particularly have to do two things. One, we have to make more lots available for building. And the legislature this year, I think we are going to make progress on this to remove some of the unnecessary zoning restrictions that prevent us from actually building housing. And number two, we have to have a very substantial public investment to finance the housing that the private capital markets will not finance. And the fact is they will not finance housing for people, you know, the bottom 20% of the economic pyramid. It just, it won't happen unless the public makes these investments. So we've got to build housing. We've got to build all kinds of different housing, from tiny uh, housing villages to converted motels as fast as we can, to permanent multi-story apartments single-family dwellings, we have to do soup to nuts. We also have to do it not just for low-income folks, but for working people whose rents now make housing unaffordable to them. So they have sliding-scale buildings that help working people. And one of the things that I think folks have failed to realize is this is not just a homelessness crisis for those who are homeless today, it's for those who will be homeless tomorrow, who are teachers and, and uh, you know, and, and and engineers and teachers in our early childhood education systems that can't afford rent. So we have to build housing, uh, you know, what we call kind of the middle housing solution for them as well. These are working people. These are not the people with mental health, chemical addiction problems. And so we have to build housing throughout that multiple, um, that spectrum. Yeah. And that's, that's very, very important. So we are approaching it in a, in a multi-pronged strategy. Here in Spokane, we've kind of been a leader in passing housing reform. Yes. Uh, we have that citywide yeah. um, Building Opportunity Choices Act. Um, but if you look at the kind of details of new new starts, they're just really not there yet. Can you talk more about um, your ideas for prompting to, to really like juicing the, the building of housing? Well, we've got to build housing when the capital markets are not building it. And that's why we this year... Uh, I think we ought to do over a billion dollars in this biennium of direct housing development by the state of Washington. And, and so we're looking for the legislature to produce that. Now we would also think it would be a better solution if we had a multi-year uh, proposal to have stability so we can do this on a multi-year basis. Um, we proposed a way to do that. Uh, we'll still see if the legislature is going to do that. But at a, at a minimum, we got to get you know, a billion dollars in housing this plan so we can move forward because the private capital market will simply not do it and and the homelessness we've experienced i think is just grossly unacceptable in the state of washington
So that's what we need to do, build housing. Um, when it comes to the, the homeless uh, issue in, in Washington, it seems like because of the way cities enforce camping ordinances, state lands and state right-of-ways has bec- have become sort of a de facto place where people have set up a shop, for better or worse. Do you, would you like to see the state play a more proactive role in stopping the growth of washout encampments moving forward? Or uh, Yes, and we're doing that within the realms of the dollars that we've been given by the state legislature. So I was very aggressive and insistent in the last year to get dollars specifically allocated to allow us to hire the people to go out and remove these encampments. And we've now moved over about 500 people off of these encampments on public right-of-ways into housing solutions. But we need another very significant investment to continue uh, that effort. We are making substantial progress. Uh, it's very gratifying to see that. You know, we just, we just we're just we removing two of the largest encampments, most problematic in, in Seattle area. Mm-hmm. We made real progress in Camp Hope, as you know. So we're making progress on that, but we're gonna need another large investment in order to give DOT the, the money it takes. We need to hire people out there to move folks off, get the trash picked up, harden the site to the extent possible so they don't come back. Uh, you can only do what you've been given by the legislature. And I mm-hmm. was pretty insistent last time that we get money directed to the right-of-ways. Because what was happening is the cities were kind of sweeping people out of their parks and schoolyards and just sending them down to our right-of-ways. <laughs> and so making it a DOT's problem. Well, that's not acceptable to us. But as I said, we have had considerable success on this. We just need an appropriation to be able to continue um, this work. People kind of think that you just you go out there and you kind of say, okay, everybody leave, and then they leave and everything's problem solved. We have hundreds and hundreds of tons of trash that has to get removed. Some of it in unhygienic conditions. We have to coordinate with the folks so they can get some additional housing. This is not... You just can't do this with zero dollars, and I can't print money. I only have available what the legislature gives to the to WASNOT. So we're going to ask them to uh, step up the plate and continue to finance these efforts mm-hmm. and increase the financing of these efforts. So, so even in a place like Spokane, where you know we have less people perhaps living on WASHDOT land this year than we did last year. Um, do you still see that need to keep bringing in, you know, the $25 million a year oh, to yeah. a place so like Spokane? It needs to go up, actually, because this problem is, we're a long ways from a solution. And we have to understand that the dynamic is, is, is not really working for us because our economy is becoming more stratified, stratified. We're having more people move in. We have climate refugees moving in from California now. The private market is not building enough housing. We have to accelerate significantly our efforts. And that's why I'm asking the legislature to step up the plate. We did about $800 million of housing expenditures in the last nine years. We need to accelerate beyond that, in my view, because the, the dynamics that are creating homelessness, and that's just not us, it's many, many other states are experiencing this as well, the dynamics are becoming more challenging over time. So we have to respond with something at scale that, that meets the scale of, of the challenge. And then we have to increase our investment. You just can't, you know, folks think that somehow we're gonna, these folks are gonna get vaporized and just disappear. It's not gonna happen. We'd be hanging off a dip. So 
this, this investment is necessary if we're going to solve the problem. Um, speaking of investments and like the history of state investments in the Spokane area, I-90 and then more recently the North-South Freeway, those, those projects have displaced a lot of people in the East Central neighborhood. Um, you can draw a through line from the 500 or so units that, of housing that were removed on the land that is now Camp Hope. Um, so what do you see moving forward as the state's responsibility when it's building these transportation infrastructure projects to make sure that that housing is in place and that people who are being displaced by these projects have a place to land? I would guess I would say it's the same responsibility for housing in general. I don't think it's less or more. We need more housing in the state of Washington. There's many reasons for that. This is just one of them. I don't think there's like a unified one house for one house thing that the state has an obligation for. But we have, what we do need is a pretty clear substantial more investment in housing. And I'm a supporter of a continuing north-south project. We need the legislators to be responsible to actually finance these projects and fund them. They're trying to do it on the cheap and not recognizing that we only can get so much done with so much money. So I'm actually supportive of that project. And I hope it can continue moving forward. Thinking about that neighborhood in Spokane, you know, it's a historically black neighborhood. It continues to be a minority low-income neighborhood. What do you think the, the state owes that neighborhood for not just the legacy of displacement from infrastructure projects, um, but also the last 18 months or so of Camp Hope? It's what we owe everyone in the state of Washington, which is more housing for everyone. So I wouldn't make it particular to any one neighborhood or group of, of residents. We need more housing for people who have mental health problems, we need more housing for people with chemical addiction problems, we need more housing for people who are displaced by infrastructure, whether it's a new apartment building or a freeway or whatever it is. We need more working housing families for people, and we need the cooperation of cities to help us do this. Uh, you know, you mentioned about our relationship with our cities. We need them to assist us rather than fight us. Like, when there's a problem, allow us to get help from the police force, which we didn't have until the judge ordered him to do it. We need that kind of uh, help. Now that, you know, Ozzy's left town, things are easier in that regard. And the court has ordered Spokane now to provide police protection, so that's good. But we shouldn't have to have a court order to get police protection for, uh, for our situation. In, in looking at kind of the, obviously the visible, a lot of the visible part of homelessness is also associated with um, mental health and uh, chemical addiction. Um, What do you see, what would you like to see in terms of building capacity for the workforce of people who, um, you know, are on the front lines of serving those communities? Well, we have to increase the pipeline of people, psychologists, mental health therapists, chemical addiction treatment people. We have to increase that pipeline. We are doing that. I just got a call with my staff about trying to accelerate the approval of licenses for psychologists, for instance, that we have a shortage of. So we're doing quite a number of things to accelerate that pipeline, including uh, increasing financial aid for those going to college. And we now have the best financial aid program in the country to allow people to actually finance college. We've increased the number of slots for nursing staff, for folks who can serve in our mental health facilities. We're building, you know, a whole slew of new community-based mental health clinics. We're building this year crisis community centers 
We're approaching a new way to, to provide mental health uh, assessments for people who are in custody. Mm-hmm. So we need to do that. We are doing that. This doesn't can't be done in 24 hours, unfortunately. So we understand that task, and I think if the legislature will join me in this effort. I think we're going to make we're going to make progress. What are your thoughts on how the legislative legislative session is going so far, and um, you know whether or not we're going to get stuff like zoning reform or these major investments yeah. in housing? Well, I feel I feel very good about it at the moment. Um, there's a lot of balls in the air, of course, but some of the major things I believe we will make real progress on. I think we will make real progress on housing and financing. I think we will make progress on removing some unnecessary zoning restrictions. I think we will make progress on how we provide mental health for people. So I feel uh, I feel good about the session to date, but you know, stay tuned until you hit the last basket. The game's not over. So. Um, and I guess like kind of zooming back out to that regional relationship, um, sometimes Eastern Washington can feel kind of disconnected from what's happening on the west side of the state. And I'm wondering, what do you see, what like role do you see your administration or the state government in kind of building connection between Eastern Washington and uh, the west side and Olympia? Well, this is not a problem for me because I'm as connected to Eastern Washington as I am to Western Washington. Spent 20 years raising my three sons in uh, Hayfield and the apple orchards of Seattle, Washington. So, a lot of my formative adult years are Eastern Washington. You don't, you know, you take the boy out of Eastern Washington, you can't take the Eastern Washington out of the boy to some degree. <laughs> so, I feel very home, and every time I'm here, I realize what, what a great community Spokane is. It's got so much going for it on a positive basis. It's just, just a really exciting community. So, I guess one good thing is having a governor who has personal experience here. <laughs> That's one good thing as far as keeping that relationship going. I'm here a lot physically, as you know. So those are the things uh, that, that can really help. And I think we've been pretty successful at that. Um, you, you touched on this earlier, this idea of uh, when we're increasing behavioral health, obviously the, the True Blood decision looms large. I just want to cut in here briefly for background. The True Blood decision was based on a 2014 lawsuit by Disability Rights Washington that argued people were being denied their right to a speedy trial while they waited for mental health competency hearings, meaning that people were languishing in sort of a limbo of, in the mental health and carceral systems, in some cases for years. The court ordered the state to do whatever it needed to do to make sure that those competency hearings could happen in a timely manner. And you're about to hear the governor talk about the steps that the state has already taken, but it's looking like the state might get taken back to court because they are not meeting those thresholds. We, we regularly have more than a dozen people here in Spokane awaiting competency evaluations. Um, what do you see as the state of capacity in the mental health system, specifically with regard to competency evaluation and you know getting people into help and not jailed indefinitely? Well, we have increased significantly our capacity, but unfortunately the demand has exploded for these services. It's like doubled in the last 10 years. And so we have to continue our arc of increasing that capacity, which we are doing in quite a number of ways. We have quite a number of facilities coming online in the next couple of years. We're building a whole new hospital uh, at Western State. So we are increasing our capacity. Just unfortunately, it's, it, it, it's sort of like, you know, COVID, it just hit us like a tidal wave. And the mental health challenges of people who are, in, 
go down that criminal justice system have just exploded. And we have not been able to keep up with that, not for lack of trying, not for lack of large investments, not lack of a lot of my own intense interest in this subject. We're very um, constantly looking, is there some way to accelerate building capacity? And I'm rather demanding of our staff to look for those options. And we're exploring every known option. Now we've been frustrated a couple times because the court has not accepted some of our options that, that mm -hmm. I think actually makes sense. So we've been frustrated by that. We are going to, I hope, um, have legislation this year that will allow us to do a new way of, of providing uh, services for people who are in custody. And I, I, I think this is gonna help people actually. So we are gonna have a bill I hope is going to pass to give us a new a method of, of providing services for people. I guess, is, is there anything that you wanted to touch on in closing? Um, well, one thing, because we're here in Spokane, we have this new threat from Idaho that I don't know if you heard about, uh, this bill that's pending on the governor's desk, and which would adversely affect not only Idaho residents, but also Washington residents, because it would potentially criminalize people stepping foot in Idaho if they did return and exercise a woman's right of choice. And uh, I just wrote a letter to the governor yesterday uh, strongly urging him to veto that bill because I don't think Idaho should be able to control what happens in the state of Washington. We have a, we're a pro-choice state, we have the right of choice in our state, and Idaho is, sort of, is somehow trying to criminalize a woman having uh, an abortion in the state of Washington. Their control of this situation ought to stop at their border. Uh, the legislature in Idaho is not the legislature of Washington, and they're trying to, they're trying to reach their, their arms into control what happens to a woman's right of choice in Washington. I'm very concerned about this, so I urge them to veto it. Uh, we'll see what happens, but uh, I think this is very much jeopardizes this, what I consider a constitutional right to travel across state lines, and he wants to sort of tell people they can't leave Idaho once they're there. Mm -hmm. Take your, your yeast or cordelane for the weekend, all of a sudden he wants to prosecute you criminally if you return to Washington. And the woman then exercises her right of choice. That's unacceptable to us. So we are alert to these challenges. And you may have heard yesterday we just bought a stock of mifepristone. If you haven't heard the story, mifepristone is a drug that blocks the hormone progesterone and allows for the termination of pregnancies up to... 10 weeks of gestation. It's one of two drugs, mifepristone and misoprostol, that are together called the abortion pill. And again, they're only effective up to about 10 weeks of gestation. So if the Trump-appointed judge in Texas shuts down the manufacturer, we will have a three-year supply available to women in Washington state. Mm -hmm. So I just note that this is a, unfortunately, a continuing effort to take away women's right of choice in the state of Washington, which we're resisting. And I, I wonder, in addition to trying to protect that right, if you see any need to, say, just like invest in more um, facilities that offer maternal care, like I know in Sandpoint, they just lost their only OBGYN. Like, what's, what's, uh, do you see a role of Washington in providing safe maternal care on, for those border areas? We try to uh, help our neighbors who are in Idaho, just like we did during COVID. Uh, unfortunately, Idaho did not take what I considered reasonable measures to protect their citizens. As a result, uh, people got sick of COVID, but we didn't turn them away. We treated them in Spokane hospitals, even though the Idaho politicians were not, in my view, responsible 
but we didn't. We wanted to continue to treat people from Idaho, and I think that was our, our current intention. I think we generally, at least at the moment, have been able to have that capacity. But access to smithopristone is a very important part of that, because I think about 60% of uh, abortions are pharmaceutical at this point. So having access to that medication is the best way to provide that capacity. And we've assured that now for several years, even if the point trouble of waiting goes at half, I was going to say half cocked, that's not entirely judicial language. It makes an inappropriate decision. <laughs> <laughs> and Governor, we need to wrap. Okay. Any last words? Yeah, thanks for being interested in our state. We appreciate it. We're glad you're here. Yeah. yeah. Thank we, you so we, much for taking the time. truth tellers. <laughs> awesome. We'll see you again. Yep. There you have it. Governor Jay Inslee in conversation with Ranges' Carl Segerstrom. I want to take a moment before we go to thank the governor and his team for sitting down to talk with us. He's a busy guy. And look, it's not a competition, but he had time to speak with two news outlets. And he and his team chose KHQ, basically the top-rated television station in the region since time immemorial. And they also chose Range. I think largely because of our coverage of Camp Hope and the overall housing crisis in Spokane. We know the work we're doing here is shining a light, and that light reaches all the way to the corridors of power in Olympia. So I feel like I have to take this opportunity to point out that Range is a team of three, full-time at least. We've got amazing contributors and freelancers, but day in, day out, it's Val, Carl, and I holding this thing down. And yet, as you can see, we're making an outsized impact. And we can only continue doing this work with the support of our paying members we believe deeply that news and information should be free for everyone, so we will never paywall our content, but we still need to keep the lights on. So if you have the means and you appreciate what we do, you can keep us going and growing by becoming a member for just $10 a month or $100 a year. We have higher tiers too if you really love us, just saying. Either way, you can see it all at rangemedia.co. Click the subscribe button and all the options will be there for you. Thanks again to the Range crew for helping pull this together, to our partners at Fellow Coworking, where we have office space for moving things around and making the governor and his entourage feel at home. The interview was by Carl Segerstrom. The editing was by me, which I have already apologized for. And our theme song, as always, is by Simmental. I think that does it for us. Have a great week, everyone. Enjoy the sunshine. Bye. <laughs>